0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another rendition of your favorite spo- sports podcast, the Off the Dome Sports Podcast, where this time two sports lovers sit and give you their hot takes off, off the, the dome. dome. I am Mustang. And I'm Rebo Hustle, and we will be guiding you through this magnificent journey tonight. That is once again the Off the Dome Sports Podcast. Before we start, I'd like to give a few shout-outs and uh, some thoughts. Uh, first and foremost, huge shout-out to The No Network for putting us on, getting us out there. Uh, we owe it all to you, and that is The No spelled the correct way, K-N-E-A-U-X, the only way to spell it. Um, oh, something else just wanted to touch on for a minute. Uh, I'm sure some of you may know, but uh, about a week ago... Uh, our one and only studio rapper P-Rex suffered a grave injury uh, broke his arm snapped his humerus in two matter of fact Um, he is recovering he's okay Um, should be finding out soon whether he needs surgery or not but for right now he is stable in a splint with his arm wrapped up so prayers um, for P-Rex prayers for P-Rex just a Thought I should let y'all know about you know what what we have going on. Uh because you know it's not always a positive outlook, but on the sports side of things it is. And I guess
1: that'll take us straight into
0: your LSU. You're fighting tigers. <laughs> <laughs> Um yeah, so uh big uh big moves for the Tigers uh as far as coaching staff goes, player personnel. Um and we've covered a lot of it, you know, going through the past few weeks, but recently, you know been brought to my knowledge that Penn has met paper and things are underway. How yeah. uh how do we feel about it?
1: Yeah, I mean we've known for a couple of weeks now who's gonna be in that defensive coaching room. Um between Blake Baker, Jake Olson as the safeties coach, uh, Corey Raymond as a returning DB's coach, uh, Bo Davis as an interior defensive lineman coach, and an edge rusher coach, and Kevin Peoples, also from Missouri. Um, it really, we all knew it was going to happen. It's just that this week, the pen finally met paper, like you said, and I'm happy to see it. I'm glad to see a complete defensive overhaul. I know we kept Bob Diaco and John Jancic, but uh looks like they're probably stepping back into like some analyst roles, maybe coaching some special teams uh, at practice, just not on the field. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. The one last thing that we need to do is find a tight ends coach because yesterday we named um, Joe Sloan and... Cortez Hankton, that's his name. They're going to be co-OCs just like they were for the bowl game. Joe Sloan, the quarterback's coach, he's going to be in charge of calling the plays, whereas Cortez Hankton will be more of a formation and analyst kind of role. Running some adjustments. The job yeah. Um, Yeah, you know, I'm
0: not really sure how I feel on, like, the outlook of this going forward through the season. Uh, I, I saw both some positive and some negatives in that bowl game against Wisconsin, but, you know, as ex- it's expected, right? Like these guys haven't been in this position before. It's their first time stepping up and not only that, but they have to share the helm. So it was a little, a little rough start, but they got it together and the offense was definitely looked I, I I can't say like uh, nothing happened because Jaden Daniels wasn't back there, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, but
0: not saying Nuss played bad because he played outstanding, Uh, but it was just a different different look than we have seen for the most part of the season. And um, but it's a look I can I can grow to love uh, through the future.
1: Yeah, and I'm excited about who the tight ends coach is going to be. I don't think there's any rumors of names just yet. But we all know that Brian Kelly is known for offensive linemen and tight ends, and so I'm sure he's got a couple names in his back pocket that he's just waiting to interview or trying to hammer out some things with uh, the athletic director and things like that. So I'm excited to see if it's a young guy, and that would be even better. But whoever it is, I'm sure they'll be more than capable.
0: Yeah. uh, Yeah, definitely a new look for the Tigers as far as coaching personnel goes. And I, I think it's for the better, right? I mean, we saw that defense severely struggle last season. And just getting a completely new room to surround these players and increase their potential uh, really make, makes me have a good outlook on this upcoming season and, you know, the seasons following. Um, you know, as far as LSU goes... It's a quiet time. It's uh, a good downtime
1: uh, for the, the Fighting Tigers... You know we're in between we're twenty one days from l s u baseball kicking off yep. or something like that.
0: We'll have baseball starting soon, and obviously you know we love baseball in this household, especially when it's purple and gold baseball coming off a natty, so we'll definitely keep you all updated on that uh we will be in fact in Houston for the college classic um to watch l s u win it all for whatever it's worth. <laughs>
1: Winning it all in three games (laughs) around Robin, no (laughs) tournament.
0: (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah, I know we had a fun time two years ago doing it. I think it'll be another fun time, especially because we've expanded our group from three to five, even though Redfish doesn't want to hang out with us. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, like I said, downtime for LSU in between football and baseball They're two best things, in my opinion. Um, So, yeah, be on the lookout. I'm sure we'll we'll have some news on that in the next coming month or so once things get rocking and rolling. But for now, we'll continue on to our next segment, which is your New Orleans Pelicans. This one's all you, Rebo. Yeah,
1: this was a short week. We had only two games. Uh, I believe we did the pod last Tuesday. They next played on a Wednesday in Charlotte. And as the Hornets versus Pelicans series always goes, we performed great. I believe it was a 20 point game at the end. Came away with a win. But last week was also a tale of two different stories because we then went into.
0: Nope. We
1: debuted the Graveyard, which is awesome. And according to Mustang, who was there. Wrong person. Nope. Redfish. That's him. I was not. According to Redfish, who was there, uh, all the graphics were amazing. The court was awesome. You could tell the fans were into it. But uh, we could not stop Devin Booker to save our lives. I believe he had like 32 at halftime. I believe he ended with 53 or something like that. Um just couldn't keep up with the Suns defense uh defensively we were there and it just wasn't really affecting the shooters. But other than that, we got a game tonight. We're recording on Tuesday. And I'm expecting a victory yeah. against the Jazz at the home. Jazz,
0: yeah. I mean we've uh kinda had their number as of
1: late yeah the jazz were weird. It's like the season series with them. It's always the two games that we play in Utah we lose two games we play in New Orleans We're winning, and it's uh, never close,
0: yeah uh, I remember um you know last season <clears throat> I'm pretty sure it was pretty early in the season where we played the jazz, and we're like, oh, this will be an easy win, and it started the jazz's run, yeah <laughs> <laughs> they got hot that night and didn't stop for. More than a couple weeks, but um, you know, as Pelicans fans, I think we both have a pretty positive outlook on this season. We like the way the team's shaping up, like the way they're playing together. Uh, what do you, what do you think are the Pelicans' chances for making a playoff spot, not a play-in spot?
1: Yeah, I mean they've been floating from the five to seven range this year. Seven being that last play-in uh, spot. Um, it depends on. If we make a move of the trade deadline, which all the rumors say yes, but personally, I wouldn't love it because the locker room is just so tight knit. You got people like Larry Nance that are like buying pe- buying sections for people's families whenever, like rookies' families, uh, whenever we're in their home city. Um, but everybody's like, "Oh, we need another backup big," but I don't know if you can move on from Larry Nance, and then yeah, you can use a backup wing or a starting wing, but are you willing to depart with an all-defensive caliber player in Herb Jones, which was the latest rumor, that has then been uh, solved as untrue? Um, But also, are you willing to let go of Najee Marshall and stuff like that, who is, like, B.I.'s best friend? (laughs) And so I think that the... No matter what the talent is that you're bringing in, you're either giving up way too many draft picks because we don't have another second rounder till 2029, or you're breaking the locker room to a point where it's not gonna, it's just not gonna be the same. So I'm looking forward to just chugging along with this roster, keep getting these guys better. I know that our starting five as a unit have a minus five uh or minus five points per 100 possessions yes that's it um but you get getting great defense out of the bench if Trey Murphy's shooting off the bench is great that's when we win games he had a bad night against the Suns everybody has a bad night kind of why we lost
0: yeah yeah you know um. Definitely like to piggyback off of what you said about you know the locker room. These these players are definitely gelling together, and it shows. Like you can see them always picking each other up. Uh, even the fans are getting in on it. They're they're always supporting these players, and plenty of people have said about New Orleans. But you know the, it's it's been that city to where, if you love the city, the city will love you, right? Like it's very rare to see a New Orleans fan of any you know sports variety you know, talk down about their players or really just give up hope on them. They're always, they always have their back. They always support them as long as that player also supports them. And so I feel like a lot of, a lot of the fans this year are are sold and bought in on these Pelicans. Yeah. And then moving on to the other side of new Orleans, right across the street, your new Orleans saints. Not a good graphic, but we're stuck with it. There's not many better ones. For another year. However, we are not stuck with Pete, Pete Carmichael. Carmichael. <laughs> so <laughs> so happy
1: that we did something. I mean, you got to look back at it. Pete Carmichael had a great run, but 18 years is just way too many years as an offensive coordinator. No matter where you're at the longest tenured offensive coordinator other than Pete Carmichael was five years. He was 18. He had some great years for the saints. Don't get me wrong. Did some great things for the city of new Orleans, but the writing was on the door. It's time to move on. And we want to talk about a couple of candidates of, uh, who's, who's been interviewed or has had a request for an interview for the saints offensive coordinator job. Yeah.
0: um, You know, like you said, 18 years is how long Pete Carmichael lasted. And, you know, he, he did have a good career, but at the same time, I feel like when, whenever we, you know, parted ways with Sean Payton, I feel like Pete Carmichael showed his true colors. And it was his true colors being the fact that he rode the coattail of Sean Payton all those years. It just didn't even look like we had the same play caller out there these past couple of seasons. And like we've talked about it so many times, how especially uh, last season where Alvin Kamara significantly lost snap count or targets in that offensive role. And, you know, you just can't expect to perform the way you do without, you know, at the time your best player, not getting the ball. So, yeah, I kind of do hang a lot of this blame on him this season and the past few seasons but you know as you said moving forward
1: we're going to talk about some potential candidates yeah uh one of the guys that we've interviewed that i'd like to get out of the the way immediately is saint shane waldron uh the seahawks former seahawks offensive coordinator uh he took the bears offensive coordinator job already so he's off the list um but also kind of a young guy a sean McVay tree product uh and then moving on zach robinson 37 pretty young for a coach which i'm excited about because in 18 years the nfl has changed entirely right and it's all about these young offensive minds and people that are willing to not just draw up the same play as everybody else mm-hmm. and so but uh zach robinson rams quarterbacks coach he's of course under Sean McVay. He's coached all of his seasons under Sean McVay, and I'm excited to see pretty much any young mind be our offensive coordinator. I mean, especially if they're coming from McVay,
0: who has, you know, the most motion in their offense pre-snap. To you know a a a product of his coming from that to a team that almost had no motion pre-snap, like we were, I think we were third. Last in the league in be offensive adjustments as far as um, not just like calling audibles, but <laughs> pre-snap motions, pre-snap stuff like that. motions, things like that, changing up the look of the formation before the ball is snapped. McVay has had so much success since he entered the league, and he, you know, was looked upon as being one of these young coaches. He was, you know, criticized heavily being so young coming in. And just to see what he's done, like he's brought the Rams to the playoffs, even this year when <laughs> nobody expected them to be there, he found a way and willed that team forward. Um, he's going to have success in this league for a long time coming. And uh, not only that, but he will continue to produce these coaches that will also share this wealth with the rest of the league. So I am I definitely have high hopes for Zach Robinson. But not only him, um, another guy who has also been a part of a young coached offense in Dan Pitcher of the Bengals he was a quarterback coach there under Zach Taylor who we've also seen come into this league recently at a very young age and do extraordinarily well granted he has had quite a good bit of talent around him but you know they can't do anything if the coach isn't there
1: did anybody know who Jake Browning was before the season (laughs) exactly yeah, and then the last guy that we've interviewed, uh, I believe we only requested to interview him today or the day or yesterday, um, is Gerard Johnson. He's a Texans quarterback coach. We know what he did with CJ Shroud. We know that CJ Shroud's an amazing talent. But this guy's also a Kyle Shanahan uh product. Kyle Shanahan, same situation. Yeah. Lots yeah. of motions, knows what he's doing, young guy. Gerard Johnson is the youngest of these four at 35. I mean, I'm, there's not much to go on. I'm saying we're, we're talking about quarterbacks coaches here. There's nothing to look back on and be like, this guy is, his numbers yeah. are just saying whatever. Yeah. You can't but, really
0: base any of these players off of, you know, what they've done in their past. Cause none of them have had that OC position, um, which is what I think is great. Yeah. I mean, they're all young coming from young coaches who we've seen succeed. Now I, I love it. Um, You know, especially Gerard Johnson, who is, you know, bounced around. He hasn't really had as much of a repertoire as the other ones, uh, but he is also two years younger. Um, But he is coming from the Texans who made the playoffs this season. Not only that, won the wild card game against the Browns in outstanding fashion and even held the Ravens, which is arguably the best team in the NFL. Like, made them fight for the win. They didn't just throw down. They just tied at halftime. They... They performed that game, um, and that offense, you know, again, very young offense, uh, had huge success this season um, in every aspect of the game, really. I mean, even when they didn't have all their pieces out there, they were still having success. So it's a good look. I I like these candidates. Um, Who would you prefer personally?
1: I mean, I've seen things like, Robinson's the number one guy pitcher number uh, the number two but that was before Johnson was even in the running I mean it's not I'm not I'm never going to be like I want this guy because it's not a proven position it's not like college football where you're like oh this guy did pretty well in this group before school so come to LSU so as long as it's a younger offensive mind I'll take him I don't care who it is yeah I am I'm right there with you um I'd probably say either between Dan
0: pitcher or Zach Robinson that those are one either of those guys I'd be more than happy with uh anything else you'd like to cover on the saints?
1: No, I'm excited to keep talking about n f l playoffs yes, yeah. moving right along
0: And as you see that graphic. We are down to Championship Weekend. Um, AFC will be Ravens versus the Chiefs, who not many people expected to be here, spe- like even at the three seed. Um, uh, not many people, I feel like, had them getting to the championship again with, you know, I mean, obviously you have Patrick Mahomes, you can never count him out, but it just, it didn't feel right this year for the Chiefs. I feel like they had too many distractions. I'll leave it at that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the receiving core definitely took a step back. You lost uh, not Valdez Canley, but the other one from last year. One of the receivers went to the Jets. Hardy. Cole Hardman. Hardman. That's it. He went to the Jets. And, of course, you lost Tyree Kill the year before. And so the receiving core was the real question mark going into the season. It really reared its head in the first four or five weeks. Yeah. And I mean, like.
0: Last season, they said the same thing, really, because McCole Hardman was their leading receiver. I mean, they also had Juju, but he didn't really play all that much. Or when he did, he didn't play well. Um, And so people said the same thing last season, but then Travis Kelsey carried them, willed them to the playoffs. Uh, But he didn't have a Travis Kelsey year this year. Yeah, if Taylor Swift
1: wasn't in attendance.
0: That's what I was talking about when I said distractions.
1: If Taylor Swift was not in attendance, Travis Kelsey was not playing the best football. But... Their defense has definitely stepped it up. The young corners are finally coming into their own. Pass rush is the same as it's always been. Efficient enough to get you through. Great at stop of the run. Linebackers are playing sideline to sideline. Honestly, this is the most defensive Kansas City Chiefs we've ever seen. Yeah, and it's definitely holding up because their defense,
0: it's legit. Um, they'll be playing the Ravens, who we know have quite a – high-power offense, but also have a very high-power defense. So it should be an interesting matchup. Me, personally, I'm going to stick with my Super Bowl prediction in the Ravens. How say you?
1: Yeah, I mean, watching. I've only watched two of the four games this past weekend, one of them being the Ravens-Texans. And did the Ravens look a little uh, beatable?
0: Yes. But it almost looked like they were surprised when they came out and yeah. saw the Texans not giving in that easily. Like Christian Harris, you know, another young player on the Texans, had one hell of a game. He gave it all he could, and even to stop Lamar twice for negative yards is an achievement on its own. Uh, sad that they couldn't come out with the win, but yeah, as you were saying about the Ravens,
1: <laughs> yeah, the it wasn't the defense didn't look beatable still. The, I believe it was 10-10 going into halftime punt return for a touchdown that was the only way the Texans scored Yeah, and so I, I just don't think that this Ravens defense is just going to let it happen and I really feel like Lamar is taking this as serious as possible and not that he hasn't before but it, he's on a different level this year and I believe Mark Andrews is supposed to be coming back for this, this week so that gives them another weapon in the pass game I mean it's kind of undeniable that we're going to see the Ravens in the Super Bowl but we, we've we had we've had worse upsets this uh, this playoff yeah definitely um
0: you know you I'd hate to see the Chiefs go again just because I like parity in the NFL especially if my team's not up for the running <laughs> but you know you can never count Mahomes out and it's just a known fact people have done it countless times and countless times he's proved them wrong yeah um, switching over to the NFC side, we saw the Detroit lions power their way through once again, put their opponent to shame in the Tampa Bay bucks. Baker magic didn't have enough juice in those magical hands of his, <laughs> you know, they were interviewing, uh, Bowles, Todd Bowles, after their win of previous week about the weather in Detroit and you know it's going to be cold (laughs) and they're just asking all kinds of questions and he said you do realize that we play indoors right (laughs) I thought it was funny Um, yeah it was good but you know Dan Campbell once again took some kneecaps with him on his way to the NFC championship and then on the other side you have the 49ers who not surprisingly beat the green bay packers.
1: It's closer than we thought. It was. But was it really? I mean, Packers kicker uh, Carlson missed two field goals and they only won by one. Yep.
0: No. No, definitely. I mean, I,
1: didn't, I didn't watch the game myself. I watched the last drive where Jordan Love did some rookie quarterbacking things, which is his first year as a starter. So and through that interception across the field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but I was like that's Not to be unexpected. Like, that's exactly what I envisioned happening the whole game, though. But it only happened the last drive, which
0: power to him. He had a a very good game, especially for a player as young as he, in a game with so much riding on it. Um, He played a hell of a game through two picks. Uh, First one was kind of a tip drill. Anybody's ball, Niners ended up coming down with it. And the last one, like you said, he... Scrambled. believe the right. it was like 30 seconds left on the clock. The 49ers had just went up by a point, and he was trying to drive down that field as fast as he could. Had a few good plays. Got him, you know, I think it was a first down. And then he got pressured and got frazzled and rolled
1: out right and threw way downfield and left. Yeah, to the, to the other uh, hash and... Dre Green lost all that the whole way. Mm -hmm. Yep, he was ready. Um, But, yeah, uh, once again, one hell of a game
0: from a young quarterback in Jordan Love. But, you know, on the 49er side of things, they looked really good. It's not like they played a bad game and Green Bay was just there to answer. It was a very good game all around. It was just really good NFL football being played. Both sides of the ball had some really big plays on both teams. And it just, you know, you know, the ball's going to roll one way and it, it ended up rolling for the 49ers. But moving on, we have the Lions and the 49ers in the NFC Championship to get to the Super Bowl to more than likely play the Ravens. You know, a lot of people have brought up the fact that the past few seasons, when the NFL has released the Super Bowl logo, it's always you know a, a two-color logo. In the past few seasons, the colors of the logo have lined up to replicate the two teams playing in the NFL in the Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl, I don't know what to say. <laughs> <It's> the NFL, <laughs> yeah. yeah, two yeah. teams
1: do play every color. This is true. <laughs>
0: Fact check that. Um, but no. Do you think that trend will continue this year?
1: Or do you think we break the chains? Personally, I believe that the Motor City Dan Campbells have looked like they believe in each other. Like There's like a completely different aura about the Detroit Lions this year. And I don't know if they're going to let themselves loose. Is the 49ers the giant of the NFC? Yes. Do they have a great defensive line? Yes. Do they have great corners? Yes. Is their running game ridiculous? Yeah. (laughs) But I really feel like these Detroit Lions are just going to find a way. Dan Campbell is going to give this crazy pregame speech, and all those dudes are going to be rolling on some crazy high of Dan Campbell juicing them up and... Personally, I just, I, I need to see the Lions in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, I right. think that they, like, on paper, do they win? No. But personally, I think Dan Campbell's got enough juice for them to win.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got to agree with you. Um, yeah, on, on paper, they're, you know, they're a squad that's, you know, kind of built like these these Texans, these Jaguars, these young teams that have a lot of potential, but they need to build up that veteran leadership, that chemistry. Except the Lions are playing like they've been here, done that. They are on a mission. They're on a tear. And Dan Campbell is leading the charge. He's not some general standing up in a tower somewhere, planning things out. He is on the front lines leading this team into battle. And it's something you love to see. Um, You know, I, I know that all of us here at Off the Dome all have the same Super Bowl matchup, that being the Lions and the Ravens. And we never agree on things like this.
1: No. We hate to see each other be right. (laughs) (laughs) But,
0: you know, with that being said, with, you know, our prediction being Lions-Ravens in the Super Bowl, I know I'm the odd one out in having the Lions winning the Super Bowl.
1: But now it's feeling more and more like it's more possible. Dude, if they slay the Giant, why not do it again? And, yeah, if they can get there, do you think the juice was crazy for the (laughs) NFC Championship? The juice is going to be flowing for the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, I agree. I'll be drinking the the freaking Dan Campbell juice. Give me a glass. I'll take a shot.
0: shot. But, yeah, um, definitely a – a very unpredictable, at times, NFL playoff, but also one of, if not my favorite NFL playoff so far since I've been alive. Like, these games have all been, Net for biters. the most part, they have all been extremely good games, close games, come down to the wire, and you all, like, there's always a moment in these games where... You know that these teams are going to come through. You see the fight in these players. There's so many emotions going, especially because more than likely, like the Eagles, Jason Kelsey's probably played his last game.
1: Also, Lane Johnson might have played the last game. The Eagles' offensive line might look a whole lot different next whole year. A whole
0: lot different, indeed. But, um, you know, one thing I love to see as, you know, Jason Kelsey didn't harp on. You know, that the fact that it might be his last game, that he's probably looking at retirement. He stood on that field, looked around for a little bit, headed straight to the locker room, got on a flight to Kansas City. He was immediately supporting his brother uh, and Travis. Shirt off and all, bare chest. It was in Buffalo. It was in Buffalo, so it's even colder.
1: Yeah. And his wife looking proud as hell <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Yeah, just you know, so like I said,
0: so many emotions, so much passion that you love to see, even when it comes to players supporting other players.
1: Yeah. Also, another thing about the Detroit Lions, I'm excited to see what Chauncey Gardner Johnson has to say this weekend, because he crap talked on <laughs> on Baker Mayfield and then picked him off and handed him the ball after. Let's see what happens to the to the Niners. See if they can recover from that kind of injury. <laughs>
0: yeah, and uh, you know they did. The Niners did suffer an injury. Uh, Early in the game last week against the Packers, uh, and that was Debo Samuel went out in the first half, did not return.
1: Supposedly 50-50 chance he plays.
0: Yeah, which is, you know. Never great. One of their bigger playmakers. Um, But you did see people like um, Brandon Ayuk and Jawan Jennings step up, and even Ray-Ray McLeod step up in that win against the Packers. So. Another thing to look forward to, I do think that both these games will be very good games.
1: I mean, it, it's how last round went. Like, I I thought the Lions were winning the game, and then I go to put on my shoes because I went go eat with Lot to watch the Chiefs game, and boom, it's a one-score game, and Lions have to pick the ball off at the end of the game and win the game. Yep. And I was just like, okay, I can finally leave now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, you know, like I said, been some very good games so far. In these playoffs, and I expect it to continue with the championship round. And then further than that, on to the Super Bowl, which will be the Ravens versus the Lions with the Lions winning. Who Heard it here first, boys. I mean, yeah, you heard it a few weeks ago when we gave our playoff predictions. (laughs)
1: You did did hear it here first.
0: (laughs) First. (laughs) First, first. Um, But that'll wrap up things for the Off the Dome Sports Podcast this week. Uh, As always, it's been a blast. Um, once again, a huge shout out to the no, spelled K N E A U X, the correct and only way to spell it. I've been Mustang. And I'm Rebo Hustle. Thank you for tuning in to the Autodome Sports Podcast.